This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast that is the sword in the darkness, the watcher on the walls, the fire that burns against the cold, the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes the sleepers, and the shield that guards the realms of men. Uh, what the hell is he rambling on about? Rousing. Excellent. And this week, we're asking more questions. First, we will talk about Marvel's alternate reality series and ask, what if Thor was an only child? Then, we'll do something that we've never done before and ask, got beef? And in this case, GOT is spelled G-O-T as in Game of Thrones, as we dive into the HBO series and air our beef with the series. We all loved it, but like many, ended up having some issues. We really did our best to stay positive, but in the end, the conversation may have opened up some old wounds. I would say that we were critical, but fair, and we're hoping that any self-respecting Game of Thrones fan will really enjoy it. So let's start with the news, but before we do, let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Lucas. I'm Cronswin. And I'm Emilia. And this is The Verse News, where we bring you the latest in TV, film, and superhero news from across the cinematic universes and beyond. So let's see what The Verse Squad, minus Bridget, has come up with this week. Well, since Bridget's gone, I'm going to steal her news. So... Obi-Wan Kenobi, the TV show, has completed its filming. It has wrapped its filming. Uh, this was announced by uh, Ewan McGregor after he gave his Emmy award-winning speech. Um, and what's cool about it is that he was, like, super excited. And he said how, mu- how much fun he had working with the director, Deborah Chow. So I was like, oh, what did Deborah Chow do? So I went back and searched through it. And so she's, like crazy cool tv stuff she did a lot of mandalorian better call saul american gods mr robot so i feel like it's in good hands because she directed every single episode which makes me happy i like it when tv is starting to do this more like feature film approach where it's the same director um so that was exciting and then i started looking through the cast and i knew hayden christensen was in it but then what i didn't realize is that he's in every single episode so that i was like okay i'm not sure how they're approaching the storytelling but this is, I'm getting real excited for this, guys. So we're either getting a lot of Darth or we're mm-hmm. getting some Anakin. Nice. Yeah, that's why I'm like, are they going to go flash back in time? Anyway, we're not sure. So it's, yeah. it seems cool. I'm really excited that they're like, you know, I, hopefully it's not a lot of fan service and more like good storytelling. But I have faith. I mean, after, now that they have like righted the ship, I feel like um, they know what they're doing. Well, how how good could the fan service be considering, I feel like the fan is not pleased with anything. <laughs> she's out of line, but she's not wrong. <laughs> Emily, you're definitely not wrong. That It seems like the Star Wars fan base is one of the hardest fan bases in all of the cinematic universes to please because nobody's ever satisfied. And they even argue heavily amongst themselves, like to the point of dying on molehills about mm-hmm. which one of the trilogy is the best when they should just realize that, hey, we all entered this trilogy at the same time. And our favorite is whenever we entered it. 
Oh, you started out with the original trilogy? Oh, you're a fan of the original trilogy. You started out with the prequels? Oh my God, you're a fan of the prequels. Now you have these younger uh, Star Wars fans who are like, oh my God, the sequels are where it's at. And it's like, we all have to realize the one common factor. We were young. Yes. That is truly what defines the Star Wars universe for you is like, at what point did you engage with it? And typically when you were a child. And that's why it's nostalgic. You like it. And you kind of elevate the material you first you know, came across and, and then die on those molehills trying to defend it. Yeah. Very interesting. And that's why, Emilia, you have come in as an adult. So I feel like you're a good uh, weather vane as to like who's crazy or not. <laughs> I hope so. So far uh, in our blind spots, which you can check out uh, <laughs> in our past episodes, they're all labeled um, in a very clear way. So you can find out uh, just what it sounds like when somebody who's never watched Star Wars before at the age of adult, um, <laughs> what it's like when they come in. Uh, spoiler alert. It's maybe not quite as exciting as we were expecting. <laughs> Well, we'll see. That's why I want you to watch the, you know, the prequels and then the, the newer trilogy, just to kind of gauge, uh, you know, maybe we all are crazy, which I think Norm is trying to say. <laughs> I mean, we're all a little crazy. Right. Um, speaking of craziness, my news. They are making another Mario movie. And bum, this, bum, week, bum, 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 bum. this week they announced the cast. This will not be live action, though. Thank you. Thankfully, thank the I think Lord. Yes. So this is going to be an animated uh, movie that will be coming out in December of 2022. And the cast has been revealed to be Chris Pratt will be playing Mario. Anya Taylor-Joy will be playing Princess Peach. Charlie Day will be playing Luigi. Jack Black is going to be coming in as Bowser. Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. And then we have Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Uh, when I first heard about this, I cringed a little bit because I, I thought it was going to be live action. Oh, and I just, okay. I just didn't. I can see that. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is, don't do this. And then when I read down a little more and saw it was an animated film, I was like, you know what? I actually did enjoy the Sonic film that came out. Mm -hmm. I thought it was fun. They didn't try and do anything like spectacular it was just like you know what we want to be entertaining and that's it and that's what it was so it hit the mark for me and i'm hoping that nintendo and i think illumination studios who's doing this are are, are trying to do the same thing just entertain just have something fun to put out there and make people smile laugh for an hour and a half or whatever and and be done with it norm can i make us all watch the original super mario movie oh, no. leading up to the animated release <laughs> Uh, you know the director's cut, um, right? Wasn't there one that was? Yeah, there's, there's the director's cut has like 15, 15, 20 extra minutes. I don't we know. Bob, Bob Hoskins, Bob Hoskins went to his Hoskins went to his grave saying it was the worst movie he ever made, and I, he was supposed to be drunk the whole time. Him and uh, Legazamo would just be getting loaded while filming. Which I mean, that would yeah. make as much sense. I mean, uh, like what uh, that doesn't necessarily make for a bad movie, but <laughs> in this case, it sounds like it did. No, I really uh, want to watch. I haven't seen it in decades, so I'm like so curious to revisit it just to see how bad it really is. I remember like hating it as a kid, just like, like, sh like yeah. I remember yeah. walking out of the theaters, seeing that as a kid, and being like, "That's not Mario." I don't know what yeah. that was. That was not Super Mario. But so Brothers, what's so man. crazy about Mario is like the reason it's a, an Italian plumber is because like when they made it originally for uh, the not Super Mario Brothers, but the Mario Brothers, you know, was just one panel that you had to jump around on. Um, 
you know, oh no, it was Donkey Kong, right? Donkey Kong. It started Donkey out Kong Donkey was the Kong. first. And the first... reason he was an Italian plumber is because they it just the amount of pixels they could fit on the screen, like they had to give him uh, overalls. And like, so it's like the reason he, all this world was built was because of the limitations of like 8-bit, you know, or even less. What was Atari? It was like 4-bit or something. Anyway, video games. And then like they created this whole story around it and then it becomes Super Mario Brothers because they keep getting better with the technology and then all of a sudden you can get a star and power up and a flower to shoot fire. It like, it is truly one of the weirdest, um, you know, franchises. Uh, and yet, really? like nobody ever like questions that anymore. It's just like, oh, it's Mario, right? But anyway, it's a me, Mario. It's a me, a Mario. Oh my <laughs> god. Okay, yeah. So I'm so indifferent on the voice casting. I couldn't care less. I'm like, cool. All right, good. They, I like all those actors. I mean, I mean, if it was live casting, Anya Taylor Joy. I mean, I find her to be a complete joy to watch. So, oh, um... me too. <laughs> she was great in um, Queen's Gambit. Queen's yes, Gambit, yeah. which I read the book. By the way, the book's way better than the. Uh, show although the show is really good i don't know that i see her as princess peach but uh i'm sure she could pull it off um i don't have a transition to my news so i'm just gonna dive right in but uh i may or may not have noticed this piece of news scrolling by on cronsworth cronsworth's news feed that's uh that he has on his back that uh, he doesn't know about that I installed recently. So wait, what? <laughs> I thought that was a massage. Don't worry about it. Get <laughs> get back in the closet. So former Doctor Who showrunner Russell T Davies is going to be returning for next season of Doctor Who, um, where Jodie Whittaker is also going to be departing along with the current showrunner uh, Chris Chibnall. So they are departing together. Uh, this is interesting news. Hopefully very good news because Russell T. Davies is responsible for, one, reviving Doctor Who in 2005 with the Ninth Doctor and then also being the showrunner for two of my favorite Doctors of all time, Christopher Eggleston and David Tennant. David Tennant, hashtag, that's my doctor. So (laughs) some of the best seasons of the show, in my opinion, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what he's going to bring for next season. You know, that's my blind spot is the new Doctor Who shows. I've never watched, like, anything past maybe four episodes from the rebooted version. Same here, man. Uh, you got the same blind spot. I feel like we need to remedy that at some point. Yes, it sounds like time to jump into the TARDIS. <laughs> but so how many how many seasons have there been now? Because you're like, hey, they're bringing them back. I'm like, isn't there, like, 50 seasons or something? Like, oh, it's oh, season they're... 13, I think. Well, it's not like season that. 13. It's oh. Since the reboot. It's Doctor yeah. 13, and then it's going to become Doctor 14. Oh, okay. Which is kind of interesting, because canonically, I think the Doctor is only supposed to have, like, 12 lives, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's the original series, which has been on the BBC, like, ever since uh, the world was black and white, and then there's That's the That's the series I watched series. with my dad. And then there's the revival series, um, which Russell T. Davies started. Uh, oh, that's cool. With, They're bringing it back, though. I like that. Yeah. It started with the ninth doctor and that's that's where like that's where I started, basically. So now for for uh a very blind um non Hoovian here, uh how many seasons does each doctor get? Because it seems kind of random. Like some, some doctors just seem to get like one or two and then like um uh didn't Tenant get like four? Yeah, it kinda depends on probably a variety of factors. Um I'm sure popularity of Doctor <laughs> matters, but also, you know, how, how long they want to stay on the show, how long their story feels like it'll progress. So, yeah. 
So I have the numbers in front of me. Number of seasons for Doctor Who, 26. Number of episodes, 862. Damn! That's crazy. Yeah, okay. That's a big blind spot. So. Yeah. Right, we might have to space that out over uh, you know, a few years. We'd better get cracking if you want to see this glorious dance. Well, unless anyone else has anything to add, that was the verse news. So, why don't we dive into this week's show discussions, starting with the latest episode of What If, which asks the question, what if Thor was an only child? So, the premise of this episode being that Odin, instead of keeping Loki, after finding him on the battlefield and keeping him as his own, keeping and raising him as his own, he gives him back to the Frost Giants, and Loki becomes the rightful prince and heir of Jotunheim. And then Thor grows up not having Loki as a brother and as an only child, and what the ramifications of said actions were. And the ramifications turn into an 80s, you know, screwball uh, party movie, which, you know, as genres go, I was not expecting to see it in a Marvel uh, episode, and it was highly enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I got to tell you, this, this was very different than all the other ones so far. Mm-hmm. I, I found it very fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I loved about this, it had a Looney Tunes-esque uh, yeah, factor the, to it. Yeah, you saw how they, on the, on the countries, would it. have the name of the country on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so, it was, it was silly, and it was corny, and it was yep. fun, and I absolutely loved this episode. Yeah, I liked, it took me like a, a few minutes to realize what they were doing with it, because uh, the tone, just understanding, like, so many of the other ones were dark or or creepy, or and then this was just straight-up screwball comedy. And then once I kind of got the tone of it, I really enjoyed the ride. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love this one, but I, I think I'm going to rewatch it at some point. But, yeah, like, I saw what they were trying to do, and I think I didn't find it as funny as it should have been. Although, Darcy Lewis was excellent. Darcy was this. great, and I loved uh, Jane... Is that her Jane, name? Jane, yeah. Jane, Jane Foster. Foster. Jane Foster was great because I love the whole relationship. I mean, it felt like a college screwball party movie. And, uh, you know, I love that genre. It t- kind of doesn't translate as well into, you know, the modern times because people don't act that way anymore, probably for the better. Um, but it would make sense if you were a god that you would act that way. So it like, I don't know, it really was fun to watch all the antics and, and, the, and lo- bringing Loki back in, which I didn't expect, as the frost giant Loki. Of course, you get Hiddleston just having a ball, like always. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, it just felt st- like this is one of the few times when it came to a Marvel show that I just felt like I could like sit back and just watch the stupidity happen. Whereas mm-hmm. most of the times I'm kind of like, I'm more invested in it. I'm like always like kind of like leaning forward being like, like, Oh, like what's this going to mean? What's that going to mean? This, I was just like, you know what? Sit back, laugh at the, at the stupid jokes. They were simple jokes. They, they, they grabbed the lowest hanging fruit and just kept running with it. And I was fine with it because it was one of those things where I could just turn my mind off and just enjoy the stupidity. It was very sophomoric. One of my favorite jokes is when, um, you know, Captain Marvel and Thor are fighting and, and she's like, I can't use all my powers because I'll like nuke everything. And they're like, so they go to Siberia. So she brings them to Siberia and then they're just waiting to drop the nukes on both of them. And then they, they call it off. Um, 
And then the what's his name? <laughs> because like, Thor's mom shows because up. Thor's mom I'm... shows up, and then no, but then they're like, we never get to use the nukes. <laughs> I was like, That's oh, awesome. crossbones, yeah. <laughs> crossbones is like, we never get to use the nukes. Rum off, like, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Those little silly jokes are awesome. Like, it had such a goofy tone to it compared to so many of the other ones that it was actually nice to be a little more lighthearted. Yeah, it was. It was just stupid and fun, and like, like I said, they didn't reach hard for anything. Like, they were just like, you know what? This is what it is. We're just gonna we're gonna make the animation a little more silly with like like I said the Looney Tunes aspects that were there. Uh, I was actually at one point expecting like someone to show up with a frying pan and hit somebody in the head, and it didn't happen, which which like bothered me a little bit. But at the same time, it was like that's where the action was, mm-hmm. the stupidity. It was great. Yeah, like I said, when just to describe what I was saying to Norm, like every, when they were fighting and going from continent to continent, you could see the name of the country or continent on the on the map. I mean, that's so Looney Tunes, and like that's when I knew I was like, okay, this is the type of show we're watching right now. Not not just not just that factor, but also the score, the way the music was mm-hmm. playing was very Looney Tunes esque. Like, oh, he's about to get punched. Whoop! <laughs> they would just like bang on the string or or, or hit a drum. It was yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It was it, like everything about it was hilarious. Uh, the and way all the Loki side was characters acting. too, though. Yeah, they had like they really stuck. They they uh, we had, we got a cameo from um uh God I why do I always forget people's names uh, um Jeff Goldblum was Jeff in Goldblum it? yeah Jeff oh, the yeah. Jeff Goldblum cameo was hilarious with them on the scooters and <laughs> we're taking uh, these scoot scoots <laughs> yeah we're taking these scoot scoots. Yeah, I mean, it was just, you're right, low-hanging fruit, you know, the goofiest thing possible. Yeah. I mean, how how don't you love uh, Darcy Lewis getting drunk and marrying Howard the Duck? <laughs> yes. She had some of the best lines in that episode. She too. really did. Yeah, they really cranked her uh, her comedic timing up to, like, 11 in this one. And I will say, I remember uh, some of my favorite moments were, so Thor's had this... Uh, huge Midgard party, a.k.a. party on Earth, everywhere, everywhere on Earth. And so they trash all of the famous monuments of the world. And then when Frigg is coming to Earth to, like, make sure that he's actually studying and not uh, throwing a huge rager, they, like, got a rush to put everything back where it was. Um, that also felt very, like, old old school cartoon. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Well, the uh, um, yeah. for me one of the best um, uh, moments was when the um, what's it called the the lava monster guy is like Surter hit, is hitting <laughs> is hitting on the Statue of Liberty. I'm like, yeah, seriously, they they low hanging fruit, total goofball stuff through the whole thing. Well, my favorite moment was probably uh, Loki uh, since he was since he was giant. He was a frost giant. Frost giant. This. Instead yeah. of being like the normal size Asgardian that that you expect him to be, he's a frost giant. And he's holding uh, Thor's cell phone, which I don't know how he got a cell phone plan these days. Yeah. <laughs> you need, like, everything to try and get a cell phone. But anyways. I don't even know how he managed to pick it up with his gigantic hands. <laughs> yeah. He he picks it up and he's talking to Jane, being like, oh, well, uh, yeah. And he's like, do you have a sister? Blah, 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 this and that. And he's, like, going off. And then he drops the phone. And he's like, oops. And he just walks away, pretends nothing happens. That whole sequence to me, again, low-hanging fruit. But it was hot. It was well done. Yeah, I, and funny. when Jane was like, you know, they're in the situation room and they're like talking about Thor, and then Thor calls her, and she's trying to like, it was, it felt like such a like a screwball sex comedy from that, you know, from the eighties or whatever. 
It really did. I, yeah. Again, I, I I liked this episode a lot. It just I could turn my brain off and just just enjoy the the stupidity. I yeah, and I it. think the balance of this, they really were like, okay, with this what if, we're going to try all the different genres. They're just throwing them all out there, which, you know, that's why I think I'm going to have to go back and rewatch all these again just to kind of like understand what they were accomplishing with this uh, what if series. And I think they've done a really good job of constantly pushing it in different directions. I also feel like they've been teasing Howard the Duck a lot lately. Yes. Isn't this his and second or third time in one of these episodes? This is the second time in one second. of these episodes, but it's like the fourth time you've seen him in anything MCU related. Mm. These two, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, and he was in Endgame as a, yeah. uh, one of the guys who stepped out of the portal. You just have to really pay attention to see mm-hmm. him, but he's there. So I have a funny feeling maybe what they're looking for is to try and figure out, okay, do we go um, screwball comedy Howard the Duck, or are we going to do like the darker stuff that was like I hope they do darker. Yeah. And it it might go that way, like, and I would love to see it because I think the movie they did in the eighties was just, you know, Listen, it, it, I love it that great, movie. But. No, I love that movie. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but it has some. It's it's creepy. Like if you remember yeah. the ending, the monster in it is like yeah. horrific. As a kid, I remember being like, I'm a little freaked out by this movie, and also the fact that he's looking at a play duck was so. <laughs> I was like, what the? Anyway, what is like. What is so a quick tangent? But what is the conceit of Howard the Duck? Uh, Norm, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> uh, he's, like, what is what is so compelling about this duck? Okay, um, well, bef- so I, I I will tell you I when I saw the movie in the eighties, I, I was introduced to him in that movie. Uh, it totally took me off of reading anything about Howard the Duck until. Uh, a man thing comic probably in the late 90s where he shows up and in in that one he's a detective from another universe where you know people are ducks much like uh spider uh peter porker spider ham from uh from uh the (laughs) Uh, into the spider Spider verse -verse. yeah uh so it's the same way he's a detective and you know uh his his skill set is is very like the old hard-boiled detective from like you know film noir, but like he's also got this like potty mouth to him that's kind of Deadpool like. So his his one-liners were always pretty good, and he always had these like very intricate storylines that shockingly were very good. Huh. Yeah, I never really read the comics. I only know him from you know appearing in other comics as like a guest star, and then um. The movie, I mean that '80s movie, which I still, I mean, again, like we got to, we'll watch that one before the, uh, whenever they tease the new uh, Howard the Duck, uh, yes. we'll have to make the, the squad revisit that one. Yeah, this is definitely like a a character that I've seen, obviously as I've been watching my way through the Marvel movies, and I think every time he appeared, I knew it was significant to the audience, and for some reason. And I was just like, I'm really confused because this is just a duck dressed up as a detective who doesn't like. It's not like they're gonna they're gonna spend any time characterizing this <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> characterizing this cameo essentially. And so, like, whenever he'd show up, I'd just be like, "There's that weird, like, you know, different stepped out of a different genre, maybe a different movie character that just shows up for two seconds every five years." So <laughs> it's it's always been confusing to me. But if they ever do take it further i'm i'm intrigued enough 
to, I, yeah, to look I, into it. I really think Marvel with this is just testing water, seeing what mm-hmm. flies with some of the the audience. They're paying attention to what people are saying. I really, I really do truly believe this because they're trying to figure out what properties can go where based off of some feedback. And, I, and it's smart because they're they're using this animation medium to try and figure out, hey, how do we further the MCU going down the line when we start hitting some of these more like, you know, these tertiary characters that nobody's seen in a while. Which they're going to have to do. I mean, the, the I somebody posted on a, like a meme where it showed all the, like from Civil War, all the Avengers fighting, and they just went through the body count of like how there's like nobody left from the original series, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that's what Marvel's being real smart about is they're, they're now queuing up the whole next five years of content. Uh, and I feel like they, they have such a deep pool of, of stories and characters that they could, you know, resurrect or bring into the forefront and um you know think about it like iron man was not one of their most popular characters and he became the most popular character in many ways and i think they can do that over and over again because they have such great you know um library of characters and storylines they can you know and we haven't even gotten into the x-men so yeah we haven't gotten into the x-men and the the newer uh the the newer characters that they've been developing like um ghost spider slash spider gwen yeah, the yeah. Miles Morales, uh, Ms. Marvel being Kamala Khan, who is getting her own series, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, th- there's all the Sylvie. There's all these other newer characters that they're making. And they're starting to say, like, hey, now that we got you here, yeah. here's some of these Great. other characters that are actually very interesting, but you just haven't heard of them because they're new. That's why I'm so sick of the debate that, like, Marvel ruined f- cinema. And it's like, it, it's so <laughs> frustrating for me because I'm like, Things are changing, like cinema's changing, everything. Like what Marvel did is just, this is the new format for how to do storytelling with the cinematic universe. And everybody's playing catch up and it's that doesn't mean indie films are gone, but it's like, come on, technology was going to destroy indie films anyway. So like, yeah, I, I wish people would actually pull back a little bit and see the trends that are happening and be like, wow, Marvel is, not only were they primed to do it because they have this crazy library they could choose from, but you know, they just figured it out before everybody else. And now a lot of people are playing catch up which is like yeah. Star Wars, Star Trek, that were these huge brands, Doctor Who, like everybody figuring out like, okay, we can tell stories over seasons and we can have all these different media outlets, like we, uh, mediums, you know, we can have novels and, and shows and games. Anyway, so I'm excited that Marvel is still going strong and I really, you know, want to be a, around for the next phase, you know? Yeah, and I mean, we can debate the pros and cons of them cornering the market and now slowly figuring out how to how to just grab those extra little corners that they haven't Mm -hmm. squeezed all the money out of yet um i am generally okay with it because uh the way i see it is at least they have not taken at least not trying to take away the headphone jacks on our cell phones (laughs) (laughs) yes brand that will not be mentioned uh so speaking of debates though do we feel does anyone have any final thoughts on what if or do we feel no i'm ready to you know Throw some opinions around. Ready to air some grievances? Oh, yeah. To share some beefs? I got beef. (laughs) You got beef? Where's the beef? I I got beef. Where's the beef? So this is a new segment, a slightly niche segment, given what we've named it, it, uh, titled Got Beef. That is spelled G-O-T, stands for Game of Thrones, Beef. Well, we're going to be covering Game of Thrones, <laughs> a series um, that we either love, loved, or wanted to love. Just a heads up, this discussion is about Game of Thrones. 
an infamously adult-themed series, we'd recommend young listeners fast-forward to our What We're Watching segment in the last 10 minutes of the episode. So before we, we get into our grievances, our beefs, why don't we do a quick roundtable of what uh, what our experience is with the series? Are you a book reader? Are you a, a show watcher, a both, whatever, et cetera, et cetera? Okay. Well, I am like an OG fan I'm going to give a shout out to Leo Mudenbau, who listens to the show. He's one of my oldest friends. Uh, we both would like trade sci-fi and fantasy novels when we were growing up. And I remember complaining about the Wheel of Time series because it wasn't finished. And, and also the quality started dipping in like halfway through book, like book seven out of 14. And he said, well, if you're really getting annoyed by these like fantasy books, there's this new one out called Game of Th- well, it wasn't called Game of Thrones. It was called Song of Ice and Fire, but he gave me the first book, Game of Thrones, uh and he was like, "Here, check this out. This is something different." And I got to tell you, I was like blown away. It truly was. Like when it came out, it was different than any other fantasy book on the market because it kind of treated everything. The stakes were so high and like it blew up all the old like tropes of that like fantasy readers were used to. And I got to tell you, like, I, so I, at that point, I think only three of the books were out. So I like crushed all of them super fast. And then like five years would go by and then the new book would get released. And I'd be like, man, I kind of forget what happened in the story. So I'd go back and read them all from the first book all the way through. And I did this like three times to the point now where I am so over George R. R. Uh. Martin. My hottest take, which I'll say right now at the beginning of the thing, is I wish he would do what Robert Jordan did, who was the writer of Wheel of Time. Um, not die. <laughs> I don't wish that. But he needs to hand the reins over to another writer who can then take on and finish the books. Because as we've seen, he has it all sketched out. He just needs to sit down in his cabin and actually dip, 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 write it. <laughs> and so I'm like really hoping that he lets go a little bit and brings on another writer to help him just kind of complete the series because we need to end this thing. Lucas, I uh, I have so much sympathy for your plight here. Because <laughs> so I'm also a book reader, but I came into it a lot later in the game. So when the series was announced for HBO, which let me uh when when was it announced? Well I was in high school at the time. Okay. Uh and the first episode aired in 2011. So that was when I started reading the books because I thought this was coming out. It looked really interesting. Um, and I realized they were based on books. And so uh, in order for me to keep my title of, um, actually, I read the books first and they were better. <laughs> I felt like I had to read the books. So, But I also wanted to keep up with the series because it was clearly going to become a cultural phenomenon. So I was like, I would like read the first book and then watch through the first season. And, and that was kind of how I got through it. And then obviously at some point I ran out of track with the series and kept reading the books. And then, then the opposite happened where <laughs> then I ran out of track with the books and the series just kept going and, and going. And then, I mean, they really ran out of track at the end there, but, uh, it was like Looney oh, Tunes, them running uh, <laughs> off, off the cliff. cliff. They didn't realize they ran off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was a day one watcher um, I have not had to suffer through waiting years and years for all the books. Oh, but as, now you're as much. Yeah, now and you're then, with I'm in the it now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I think at this point I've just been treating it like a, like one of those facts of life, like one of those grim facts of life, like death and taxes, <laughs> death taxes, and George is never going to finish the books. <laughs> yeah, Emilia, I my path 
uh, mirrors yours in so many ways. Uh, did not know about this. I had heard people talk about it while growing up, but I, I never really paid attention to it. And then when they announced the series, I saw a bunch of my friends get really, really excited for it. And I was like, what's up? And they're like, like, all, I swear all at once, they all threw their books at me like, here, read them. <laughs> this, get, like, you got to get caught up on this. Like, all right. Now, these books aren't aren't small books. No, they're like 1,500 <laughs> no. pages they're, a piece. They're, they're big books. <laughs> so, of course, I started reading them because much like Emily, I wanted to be like, well, I read the book. So I wanted to be I wanted to know what the differences were uh, to try and see what I would enjoy more. I was not a first day watcher. Because I could not finish the books in time. I actually oh, didn't get started until Delayed after season two. Yeah. I, I got into it after season two, binged it all because that's when I finished uh, the last book <laughs> before win- whenever Winds of Winter will come out. Um, so I, f- I finished it and I was like, all right, time to get on this uh, this series. And I binged watched, I swear, the first two seasons. I binged watched within three days before the beginning of season three. Mm. nice yeah um i think i didn't know what to expect i didn't have any context for what it was gonna be like um but when i started reading the books they they take a little bit to get into um because it is so character heavy it is so mm-hmm. dense there's a lot of world building um but it's an ama- it's a, it's like it's like watching buildings being built and then knocked down and that's not the best explanation, <laughs> but it just there's so much payoff. There's so much payoff to reading these books. And um, I got really sucked into it. And then once the show started, I had my classic grievances where I was just like, I don't know if that's how I imagined this mm-hmm. character looking like. But ultimately, like in hindsight, looking back, it's one of the best casted shows that I've ever seen. And Hands the down. first, I'm going to say three to four seasons are some of the best TV adaptation I've ever seen of any of any book series. I have, I mean, sure. I've got some grievances, which we'll get into, but I was so, I was like, this show can do no wrong for so long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, I was like, I, I loved you doing this all the time. Cause I was an original book reader. So every time I would like come across another person who also like, started with the books, I would use this as a weapon. I'd say, God, the, <laughs> the show is just so much better than the books. <laughs> and it would just and I because I, I truly felt that way because I was like they took these complex storylines and they they whittled it down to the sharpest best things that you need and it, like t- to be able to go through one book an entire season they had to get rid of a lot of fat but I felt like it almost made things stronger for it and I was like so impressed with how they adapted something that was like a thousand pages long into these like perfect little self-contained episodes uh, and so I was just like such a fan of the TV show for the first few seasons. Um, and I stuck with them, even when other people were like, you know, dogging on it and and feeling like they were, you know, straying too far or actually because there was no material for them to adapt. I was still like a defender of that show until the end. And then I had to be like, now I can't say that anymore. I'm so mad at them for that because I was like, loved like just getting into arguments with other fans and just saying, no, nope, TV show's better than the book. And it would just like get them going. So it's safe to say that we all had high hopes and grand expectations for this show. So what was the final take at the end? No spoilers yet. Just how'd you feel at the end? Deflated. Honestly, it it was a also deflated, but it was it was the most spectacular deflation. <laughs> yeah, it was I mean, because well the thing is, if it was just like they did something that we were just angry with, if it made me like angry 
I would probably have like now have a better opinion of it. But instead, it just felt very like it just pittered out. It was like, yeah. So that, that's that's my take. Like they they built it up, built it up. It felt so good. It was rolling on all four steams, and then the 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 come down to to tie it all together just felt lackluster to me. Yep. They they just they just couldn't nail it, and I was like, and and honestly, because of this, I was worried about Endgame because I was like, mm. how are they going to do this with Endgame? Because it's not going to make that. any sense. Go on. What a year that yeah. year was. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no. How how's this gonna happen? And then you know, Endgame did it flawlessly to the point where now I look back at Game of Thrones and I, I have a bad taste in my mouth because I'm like, it could have been done better. All right, so I'm gonna do a non-spoiler, like one of my the worst sins. Non-spoiler is that they did two seasons or three seasons worth of storytelling in six episodes, and yeah. that is the mortal <sighs> sin for me. That is truly what destroyed that show. Is they oh, had God. so much storytelling they had to do, and they just literally put it into fast forward and just ran through it, and it just the, it lost any emotional stakes, and, and that's what I mean by it just kind of pittered out. You're like, oh, I was so invested in this year after year, book after book, and then they just kind of like, just like ran right through it. I mean, that was what made it so painful. I think the last few seasons, because I, I was someone who'd always been quite critical of the show because, uh, you know, the age I was at, I was definitely still like a book reader book reader superiority like a lot of that also i would have said to you oh the show's better we would have gotten to some yeah you glorious argument <laughs> <laughs> but um that's what made it so heartbreaking is because ever since season five i was just sort of like i think the show's starting to dip and i i had i held out hope every season every episode after <laughs> that that they were gonna rein it back and i was like it's okay like they have george you know he's gonna figure something out this is such a good show they got so much money they could get the best writers ever you know like they they have everything they They're could the do best cast. they could do it and then like when the last season was announced and they're like it's going to be six episodes and i was like who boy they've got a lot to get through and i was like there's no deep down i knew i was like there's no i know way. but Emily, i still no had way. hope too i was like there, maybe there's i think they could do every, it they could stick every every episode yeah. every week <laughs> during season 8 i was just like okay next episode if they did this and this and i was like yep. all over the reddit threads yep. i'm like okay if they structured it this way like and they just threw that out the window like that it could still be okay it could be salvageable it could still be really amazing and uh and that it, it was just yeah it's like I, watching a, a, a relationship die <laughs> Before we dive into like the mortal wounds that this show suffered, maybe we start with a little more petty grievances that we have with it. Because I got plenty of those. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I got a few. Uh, one being, they never introduced my favorite character in the entire series. Who would that be? Lady Stoneheart. Oh, yes. That, yes. They teased us. Then. Dude, teased I was us. waiting ever since season four. <laughs> okay, so we should put some context who that is for the yes. character, for the uh, audience. So Lady Stoneheart, you you do meet Lady Stoneheart, but the story doesn't actually go to where she becomes Lady Stoneheart. So in the books, Catelyn Stark, after the Red Wedding, is like, they obviously uh, want to humiliate the corpse. They, they defile it, and they toss her into a river. The moat. The moat, Which is where, right. like, the refuse they goes. They her naked body into the water. Right. So then, uh, man, I can't remember the priest's name from the... the red priest. The red priest. Um, one of the red priests who always had a um, a crush on her, had a thing for her, 
um, finds her and brings her back to life. But the problem being is because her neck was, her throat was slit, she can't really speak. Um, and she becomes like a fire zombie. And so this happened before Jon Snow gets resurrected. So this was the first time we see a character brought back from the dead. Yes. Uh, for context. So like this was a huge deal. And like she then starts getting retribution on all the uh, people who wronged her. Yes. So it she's just like massacring people. Thing. It is so <laughs> cool. And it is she's so like cool. a, a zombie of retribution. And it truly was. You're right, Norm. That was one of the coolest characters in the book. The coolest character in the book. My favorite, uh, my favorite character after the Red Wedding, which, you know, um, I had seen was, coming. <laughs> which was so shocking in the book, too, though. It, like, I yes. honestly thought that Robert Stark was going to be – like, they. this is what I love about um, the, what George Martin did. He would just mess with you. It would be like you're so used to the tropes of storytelling being like he's going to then grab his father's mantle. And then – so they treat him like he's the hero and then he dies miserably. It's yes. awesome. It's, <laughs> and, and to see that that – that character just got completely erased from from it was my biggest disappointment. Yeah, uh, getting rid of Lady Stoneheart is like kind of a big deal. Character-wise. The thing is, I get why they had to do it. They had so many characters. So I was very forgiving why they didn't include her. But I did feel like it was getting teased all the time that we were going to mm-hmm. see Lady Stoneheart. And then it just never happened. It was too bad because it just it would have been such a good move for them, I think. Because mm-hmm. I think people who didn't know who Lady Stoneheart was, who hadn't read the books, would have been really jazzed to see her um and and that would have like really elevated the show in a way like it would have pushed it further like it was already doing so many innovative things and to to bring in this essentially like a new genre a new darker genre like would have been so interesting by the way uh it was thoros of mir who brought her back yeah right yeah thoros that's right a uh a red priest who likes to light his sword on fire um and then later gets the ability to naturally light his sword on fire, I think. Magic. <laughs> Magic. Okay, so I have a, um, a grievance with the show. And sort of it's... Uh, actually, I guess it's kind of in the books too, though, is this idea that they really brought out like the wolves were going to mean something, the dire wolves. Like everybody <laughs> yeah. had a dire wolf. And it was like such supposedly this big deal that they all had dire wolves. And then they just like kind of discarded them. Even um, uh, Jon Snow's dire wolf which is ghost ghost even ghost was like completely underused and then just kind of forgotten about throughout the entire know, series was it, it was, was like it a cgi thing it wasn't it at a cost thing? yeah it was in it was a budget honestly which is what they uh, blamed lady stoneheart on too yeah i was gonna say like there's a point where it's like just be a better filmmaker like you can do suggestion you can like there's ways you can do it that like you can not spend a lot of money on it instead of using cgi for everything or they should have just gotten like real wolves and like you know <laughs> Anyway, I just, that was one of the things that, like, even in the book, too, I mean, and I'm curious if you guys back me up on this, like, the direwolves seemed like they were such a big deal in the storytelling and, like, for the characters, and then they just kind of were oh, discarded, yeah. and then, again, another character that they should have had in the books was uh, uh, Arya's, um, uh, what is it, her, her wolf was... Nymeria? Lady. No, no, yeah, Nymeria. Lady is Sansa's. So, yeah, and n- n- that's Nymeria is hers. Anyway, Namiri is Arya's wolf, yeah. Is Arya's wolf. And she becomes the most, like, the queen of the wolves. And is, like, again, a huge part of the story. Like, who's, like, rallying all the wolves to attack all the, you know, the people who've wronged the the different houses. And it's, like, again, like, a really one of the best parts they just kind of had to subtract from and remove from the show. Do do we even bring up uh, uh, Rickon's uh, 
wolf, Shaggy Sh- Dog. Shaggy Dog, which by the way, I call my dog Shaggy Dog all the time. Barely was a character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, George R. R. Martin just let us know from the beginning, like, okay, this character is going to go nowhere, so I'm giving his dire wolf the name Shaggy Dog, <laughs> which is like code a kid, in literary yeah. <laughs> terms for a story that goes nowhere. Okay. So, as far as, like, what ranking these sins are, I think that taken apart, we could call these pretty... Pretty menial sins, but um, I agree. I think they're small pretty menial. Sins, but I think that if you bundle them, <laughs> so okay, yeah. So these these are these are we'll call them misdemeanor sins, right? But okay. I think if you bundle them, which I think makes sense, because in my opinion, these all um, are part of the greater sin, which is that the North did not remember in no. in the show. <laughs> So there's no Lady Stoneheart getting retribution for, you know, everything that uh, that happened to the Starks. There is no uh, all of the great northern houses um, or like the smaller northern houses banding together and um, fighting back against the uh, fighting get a back against the kingdom. Like there was none of that really interesting conspiratorial plotting and people like not being what they seemed and being a lot smarter than they may have appeared. Um, the wolves all fall into that. They, the wolves didn't have a lot to do because apparently they're too, their hair is too expensive to CGI or something. And so, and, they, and it sucked because they, they made a lot of nods to it and they tried to make us believe that they did remember that the North mm-hmm. remembers in the show, but they just kind of, they just sort of forgot about that. Well, if we're going to talk about the North <laughs> and things that really annoy me in the show was I could not stand the whole Ramsey Bolton torturing Greyjoy. I seriously fast forwarded through because listen, it, it it merited for storytelling wise one scene, and they did it episode after episode after episode. It was truly, and I, and I like the actor who they cast in him, but I hated yes. the direction. He played him like a mustache twirling villain, and it was so it was like nails on chalkboard with me. And I like that actor and so many other things he's done, um, but he's just. Truly, like, I cringeworthy when I watch those scenes. And I know you're yeah. supposed to hate them, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, that's never – George R. Martin never made characters like that in his book. He would make people who you definitely hated, but, you know, he would tell it from their perspective or, like, you know, give you a little bit of something for the person that would make them less just like a black and white villain. And so yes. for me, that's truly one of my things I hated the worst about the entire series was that character's portrayal and that stupid, long, drawn-out torture thing that was like, like I said, storytelling-wise, merited one episode, maybe one scene in an episode, and they did it over like four episodes or something. It was so frustrating. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with you on that, only because the I, – I think he wasn't so black and white. I think for what he was doing, uh, I agree with you that – that torture scene lasted way too long. It could have been done way shorter, and it still would have had the same effectiveness. But that that character and what he was actually fighting against was the whole entire thing of being a bastard. Like, oh, because I don't have a name. Oh, wait, now that my father's married to a noble lady and they accept me into the house, I now have a proper name. It's it's all BS that he was banging the wall against. And I actually enjoyed that because he was just as much of a jerk as a lot of the other no, no, noble houses. And, you know, yeah, I, I just, I I just well, hated the they portrayal. they did it better in the books. Yeah, oh, no. the books, that's what yes. I mean. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> what I'm saying, what they messed up in translation, that for me is one of my biggest sins of the show, was like that character, all that stuff was way better in the, in the books. And then the, the portrayal on screen and that actor and the direction he was getting from the, not only the writing, but then the, um, 
from the directors who are, you know, directing his performance really annoyed the heck out of me. I also really didn't like how they turned him into, like, a crazy and vulnerable fighter because that was just so not aligned with yeah, the character that he is in the books. Like, he's not supposed to be a superhuman, like, macho, like, in- insanely, I I only need 10 good men to, like, take down an entire <laughs> castle full of uh, full of soldiers. Like, that was shirtless like that was ridiculous yeah it was so silly okay so what who's, would who's you next rank, who else what, has what, a, how would you grievance? rank that sin i mean for me that's not like a it, <laughs> it 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 took up a lot of storytelling in the tv show and like a big portion of it but it, it wasn't like listen i could forgive that that's a sin that i could forgive because it's only one character it's only one storyline uh so i wouldn't say that that's a mortal sin but i would say like you know the second tier second tier for me so, um, another one of mine, I'm just going to air this one out there. The focus on incestuous relationships <laughs> in, yeah. and this is an original sin because this comes from the books. Mm-hmm. There is way too much incestuous content, <laughs> content going on in the books, uh, to the it's point almost where like bad fanfic. Yeah. Right. Well, it's to the point where it like in the books and just like in the show, you are made to not like Cersei Lannister or Jaime. Mm-hmm. And, like, to then make one of their biggest, like, ugh, sins just, like, very commonplace just takes the gravity out of the fact that, like, these are not good people. Now, don't get me wrong, a lot of the other people out here are bad people, but what makes these guys worse? Oh, their incestuous relationship of lying, uh, then having these kids lying saying oh no no they're 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 the king's kids and they're all in line for the throne and stuff like that it makes it less impactful and that was one that like to this day when i when i go back and read the books and i go man if there was just a little less incest in this it would make <laughs> it would make Jamie and Cersei that much more like sinister i mean i like the they had that yeah, in there. Yeah, I actually You're disagree right. it, with this one. <laughs> like i like that that was in there because the redemption arc of Jamie Lannister like uh, from the books, we don't know what's going to happen with them, and right. that's again a thing. A lot of this stuff we can't fully judge yet because it was based on George R. R. Martin's writings. But like, I got to say that character just became one of my favorites because he was the most despic- despicable pos when he like mm-hmm. shoves um, uh, Brandon Brand. out of the window and like in the first book, and it's like you truly just despise him. And then yeah. by the end, by like the fourth or fifth book, you're rooting for him. And I was like, how the heck did he do that? He was, you know, in an incestuous relationship, throwing kids out of windows, and all of a sudden you're rooting for him. I was like, such a clever trick that he did uh, uh, in the in the writing. But yeah, anyway. one of the best parts. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm I'm good with it on on Jamie and Cersei, and then being mentioned with some of the uh, with the Targaryens. But like it's still like, no, no, you're right. The Targaryen lines pure. I have to admit, it did seem like there suddenly was a lot of incest in it. So like you're right, I'm incest. with you on that, Norm. Like, like you can get away with it once, maybe. Di- dial it like, back just a little dial it back. bit. Just dial it back. Just dial it back. Yeah. Yeah, I would. No, uh... well, I guess the incest. Yeah, okay, we'll call that an original sin. But I feel like that dovetails like perfectly into the, in my opinion, mortal sin of. Jamie and Cersei's characterization there and the ways that their character arcs just totally flopped. Like, you're right. We don't know how it ends in the books. Yeah. Perhaps we never will. But I just feel like there is no way that all of that character development for Jamie ends by him with him being taken out by a rock. Yeah. Like, 
that's if that's what happens in the books i don't want to read them i don't want to finish it yeah. i hope he does a better so deal. they had so wasn't, many options fantastic options. a rock multiple still it was a like castle fell on him yeah but it was it it felt like again like there was no emotional like payoff and i was like oh really that's how they end that yeah that was really like and i'll say the brienne of tarth like again great character in the book in fact I like the actress they casted for her. At the same time, in the book, she's supposed to be way like more like unattractive looking, not just like a big woman. Uh, I get it, it's like you TV. Know, it's TV. You need you still need attractive people. But um, I, I really love that character. And again, like I didn't feel like that character really got a, enough to do in the in by the resolution. And I'm curious what George R. R. Martin actually wrote for that character because I'm like, you know, first of all, I thought her and Podrick should have been a, like an item. Uh, you know, anyway. Actually, in regards to Cersei and Jamie, if they just stood 30 feet to the left, under the archway, our heroes would have survived. What a loss. What a loss. Ah, <laughs> oh, a mere 30 feet. How frustrating. Cronsworth, Cronsworth, I... Take it easy. I know. I know you've got uh, a, a photographic memory. You can just replay everything in your head at light speed, but but we can. Us mere mortals, Cronsworth can't do that. Point is, taken out by rock. Lame. <laughs> I think it, one of the worst sins is that storyline. Like the conclusion of that storyline, one of the worst. We can get into others I that maybe like, could be worse. I, I think we are all going to agree that like we have already agreed that the biggest sin was time. So I actually don't think we need to spend a ton of time there because so many so many articles video essayists a lot of ink has been spilled on this already i don't think we need to rehash it so i would like to talk about a couple of characters okay so in the books littlefinger is one of my favorite characters yes i dude is effective and chaotic and his plots are so smart and so vindictive and interesting and so human in this way, in, in this monstrous way, that when they then translated it to screen, I'd be, I had problems with Littlefinger from the start. Like, he... They did they did an okay job with him in general. I didn't mind the actor. I really like, like that a little, actor. I, yeah, I love that actor. He's like maybe a little creepier than I was hoping for. But it also fits. Um, given his whole shtick with uh, Catelyn and Sansa and how he's in love with both of them, even though that's pretty weird. Uh... <laughs> but... Yeah, that's yeah, weird. Yeah. Again, what... we're getting into incestuous territory. From, Not fully, from, but... from the start. Sort of. Sort of. From the start when he's explaining his his background story and his rosebud, essentially, of how he got this crazy scar, um, both physically and emotionally, where he <laughs> dueled for, uh, for Catelyn's heart and just got totally messed up by the other guy. Um, Ned's brother, incidentally, Brandon Stark. Um, Elder Brandon Stark. And how he lost out on that, and it was like, this whole big thing. When they told that story in the show, I didn't hear a single word of it, because they decided that it would be a good idea to tell the story while he's in his brothel that he owns, which I don't have a problem with that part. That's consistent with his character. But I did have a problem with the fact that uh, they were using the character of Roz, who didn't ever need to be a character. No. Uh, and she, he was basically like trying to break her in with the other, uh, with the other ladies of the night. And they're having this very, very explicit like sex scene in the background of this. And there was a lot of loud moaning. And I'm like, I cannot hear anything <laughs> that 
<laughs> that Peter Baelish is saying. And this is really important character stuff. And they're just like, they're like, uh, people don't care about character development. They care about boobs. So like, <laughs> that really bothered me. Lucas, you, you talked about how they made Ramsey Bolton into a mustache twirling villain. I felt yeah. like he did the same thing with Littlefinger. He became right. more mustache twirly in this than he did in, in the books. I think books. he may have no, In the books, he was such a complex... He, <laughs> he was a complex and somewhat sympathetic character in the books. As much as you get annoyed at him because he would mess over a lot yeah. of your favorite I mean, characters... Terrible, you kind of so interesting. But you also kind of understood where he was coming from. Like, you, you couldn't disagree with his philosophy. No, about you know, the like, nobility, being, yeah. no, nobility being stupid. And, he yeah. was right. He just was kind of a jerk. And uh, <laughs> But he was so skilled at pulling strings. Like, truly, one of him and uh, Varys were, like, some of the best characters in the books, right? They ended and I as think some of the worst in the series, In the series. No, it turns out, like, because, you know, they had time to play with in the books where you could, like, see how these plot and machinations were happening and, and see inside a little more. And that's to admit, that's a challenging thing to translate into television. But, man, did they mess that up for every single one of those characters. They just, like, had all these, like, intricate threading, and then they just, head. like, yeah, then they just threw it all Around out the window. You. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was. It's I, a shame. I will not. Little... You must fight it here and there. You must fight it everywhere, with green eggs and ham. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> chaos yeah. is a ladder. But I will say, I, I enjoyed the way his story ended. I thought, I thought that was one of the few Barry's? story. No, um, uh, little, little finger. finger. I actually thought, yes, I actually thought it was, <laughs> it was more fitting for his character to, uh, to realize that he had gone, he he had outsmarted himself into believing that he was the smartest man out there and to be fooled by Sansa come on I thought no, I mean I really hope no, that okay. Sansa is the one who does like turn the tables on him in the books when we get no, to that point no she's going to be but I'm like sorry. but yeah I hope they do it a little more eloquently than they did in the show I, well that think... again I'm, I'm pulling out the whole um, mortal sin of time on that one but I actually yeah. did enjoy how his story ended so this is this is actually one of my mortal sins because I hated the way that they ended it. it. It wasn't the overarching bullet points that it was going to be Sansa or maybe a combination of Sansa and Arya that took him down because they were they're building up to that in the books. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to do a really good job. Maybe. Who knows? Sansa has one of the one of the, my favorite character arcs as well. And she is a great character that I think gets uh, like gets a little hated on needlessly just because she's like more traditionally feminine and the world hates traditional femininity. So like she's one of my favorite characters, especially in the books because she's getting smarter and smarter and smarter mm -hmm. over time. And she's like got this really interesting history. And at the end, I do think it's going to go the way that it did in the series, but with more time and Littlefinger isn't going to be just become an idiot at the end who's able to be outsmarted by just the thinnest of plans between Sansa and Arya. And this all dovetails into the the, the idea that Sansa didn't get enough character development. Um, I didn't like that they sexually assaulted her for Theon's development. Yeah. Like that just felt like a, I feel like you're needlessly hurting women in this moment. Like I understand that it is a, a rough period in time, but like that felt gratuitous. And then they had the already done with her character, you know, exactly previously. like yeah. she's already been through it. And then to introduce this scene that does that doesn't exist in the books in the same way, um, purely again, purely to motivate someone else to start becoming a hero really bothered me. And so she doesn't get the character development that she needs. She doesn't get to have the spotlight that she deserves. And she but she does walk around with this like highfalutin sense of 
authority and self-importance that's kind of unearned in this in the show and then there's aria who uh slowly becomes a terminator robot by the end and that <laughs> we don't have to get into that right now but just that whole thing way that they wrapped it up is for me a mortal sin because Littlefinger is one of my favorite characters so thank you for coming to my ted talk about Littlefinger. <laughs> <laughs> been mad about this for years <laughs> well i am really just hoping that the novels expand that fill in what happens and then it's much more satisfying than what the show did i mean it it it's not poetic to you guys that his a lot of his uh schemes were so well thought out that like literally the simplest thing him underestimating family you're giving it too much credit <laughs> And that's the thing is, Norm, like, you're conceptually right. Like, that's what I mean. I think in the novels, there might, if there's more lead time, there's more going on, right, than what they were able to present in the TV show, then it's probably going to be a really good turn. It's it's very fitting end to him. So I'll give you that. Also, he did not underestimate family in the rest of the series. Like, in the, like in the beginning, he plays Ned, he plays Catelyn super well and he gets his way he climbs his chaos ladder and that's how he gets to where he needs to go and that's how he gets Hall and and all of these different things and like my bad <laughs> that's how angry you are that's how angry i am <laughs> but um and then he just gets outwitted by not thinking that like the stark siblings might talk to each other a little bit after being separated for the last you know, however many years they've been apart after all the tragedies. Okay, but you have like mini Terminator uh, in Arya Stark that seems like has no emotions whatsoever. So I think Littlefinger just is like, all right, this is way easier than I thought and just glossed over it. That's he got away with it so too careless. many times. He went to the well too many times <laughs> to, to screw family on family. Now he's he's paying the price. The Piper came. Okay, I think as the sins go, like the execution, ha ha ha, might not have been as great, but... It's, I think maybe in Norm's defense, this is a lesser sin than some of the other ones. Yeah. I, I can Only see it because being... there are so many others. Yes. No, because we're going to... Only gonna... because... I got a few more coming. He is one of your favorite characters that this sin carries more weight. And I get that. I really do. It does. It, it hurts me. <laughs> well, if you want to get into uh, another sin of uh, a storyline of a character that I was just felt unfulfilled with, it would be the Hound. Because, <laughs> like, that for me, definitely from the novels, from the show. I mean, God, the casting was just so perfect. And I so love that character's arc from the beginning to the end. And then in the show, it's like we kind of did get a little bit of the payoff where you're like, yeah, he's going to finally take down his they had brother. their face off. Yeah. And then, but then, like, they fight in some CGI buildings falling down. And then that's about it. Like, I feel like D&D really thought they, they gave us one with that so weird. they were like this is what the fans want they just want to see these two brothers swing their swords at each other and so that's all they did and i feel like they really patted themselves what's on the back crazy for that. too is like so george r. r martin the last we read of of the hound in the novels he think he's killed um uh by brianne what, uh, brianna uh, you think Tarth. that uh aria leaves him to die yeah, after yep. he gets into a battle with brianna and she defeats him and so like in my eyes, I was like, are they going to bring him back? Like, maybe that's it. Maybe he's just dead now. And I was like, God, that's so sad because I really like that character. And then in the show, they spoil that for me from the books where he is, yes, alive. And then they just totally don't fulfill his promise at all. 
Although he does go he to might, the north. He might not come back. He might not come back in the books because he hmm. just shows up as like the grave digger and he might just live out the rest of his days doing that. Well, I like that he does go to the north, remember? And I did like that storyline where mm. they like rally the troops to go north, whatever, or the, or they assemble the team, I should say. Right. Winter might actually come in the in the books. Yeah. The north might remember. I mean, we did get the Clegane Bowl, and that's something I wanted as a fan. Now, I, I will agree, it, Lucas, what I do agree with you on is the setting was wrong. The yeah. the, the the CGI all around, it took away from what was going on. And, of course, um, uh, Darth Mountain, um, or I'm um, sorry, uh, uh, Vader Clegane, um, whatever you want to call that undead monstrosity that, that was the, the mountain, just it, it didn't play right. When, it, when they took off his helmet, I was like, wow, look, it's Darth Vader. Yeah, it just I thought emotionally... he was not supposed to have a head. <laughs> he was a big thumb. It, it just emotionally there was nothing there like i just didn't you didn't get any emotional payoff no considering you were with this character for seasons and you just wanted to have him get a little bit of retribution and, and there's a way to use that and make it emotionally effective where there is no resolution right but yeah. you didn't get that either so it was like i just felt like they were checking boxes by the end i also have a i feel like a similar tier of sin that, by the way, I would consider like a a mid a mid class mid tier sin. Yeah. I don't know if I, uh, you the guys the misdemeanors agree. are these misdemeanors or are these worse than misdemeanors? <laughs> these these might be worse than misdemeanors because okay. <laughs> the hound was so loved. But um, my next worse than misdemeanor sin is um, the entire Martell storyline besides Oberyn. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I I am gonna heavily agree with you. I on just this. completely forget <laughs> I, about that entire even, house because of this. Yeah, I don't even know what you're about to say, but I have a hard time believing I'm I'm not gonna agree with you on this. <laughs> <laughs> so this this sucks because the uh, the Martells are one of my favorite houses in the books, mm-hmm. um, and they have a very interesting, like similar to the North, they have this whole conspiratorial brewing thing that's gonna be really cool. And like Duran Martell is the like the ruler there, the king, and He's got a really good plan that we don't fully know about yet, but he's like keeping his cards close to his chest. He's like, he's going to wait for it. Like Leslie Odom Jr. And Hamilton, <laughs> he's, he's there for it. And <clears throat> there's so much hype around it for me. And then in the show, he is ostensibly planning something, but then he just dies. Like, well, I mean, like immediately, pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. But- he just gets murdered. And uh, then his sand snakes, nieces i guess like uh oberon's bastard daughters like they all go and they just decide that they're gonna like go nuts and try and get revenge against the lannisters which like fair enough but the way they go about it is completely antithetical to everything that they that they would stand for in the books they're like well in dorn like we don't kill little girls and you know they say that um in response to like people being worried about them taking on marcella because they take marcella on as a ward and then in the show, they do exactly that, and they kill her <laughs> um, by by kissing her, weirdly enough, because for some reason they have to be extremely, extremely sexualized as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a family-friendly podcast, so I'm not going to say the infamous line, <laughs> but I'm going to let you all think it. Yeah, that was one of my biggest one – of, one of my bigger gripes character arc-wise because I did enjoy all of those characters in the books – Especially yes. the Sand Snakes. I felt like uh, the Sand Snakes were, in the book, were building up to be a bigger um, part of the of the books. 
And in the show, they're like, here and then gone. And it just really bothered the living hell out of me. And and truly, the casting of all those characters were actually really well done. Like, if you recognize one of the actresses from Rome, and I always loved her. She's a really good actress. And then, you know, uh, uh, what's his name from Deep Space Nine plays Oberon. Like, it was a, a good cast. And then every minute they spent there, I was like, wanted them to be somewhere else in the world. I didn't care. Like, to watch those storylines, which, as Emilia said, like, those are really, like intriguing storylines in the book and there's so much more being built let's hope he actually has a plan for him and it's not like as it doesn't fizzle out as much as it did in the uh in, in the show yeah i think it'll be good in the books because they've got this whole like elaborate thing <laughs> where like duran sending his son to do something and he's got ariane his daughter like doing something else and there's the dark star involved and it's like yeah i'm like forgetting some of it because it was so elaborate <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing is, like, I feel like George R. R. Martin kept solving a problem by creating more storylines and more characters. And so <laughs> we'll see where he goes with it. I mean, uh, but yeah, what a wasted opportunity. And I feel like, you know, it's TV. They only have so much time they have to play with. So maybe they should have just cut that out completely, no, you know? No, 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 no. Let's, let, let's remember, this, this was a hit, hit series. People were clamoring for more. Yeah, you're right. They could have just when the final season got yeah. pushed back. What three months? People almost lost it, and they're like, "Why?" And they're like, "Well, the FX, the, the special effects are just so deep that we need all this time." And it's like, "Are you kidding me?" They had like they had. I mean, if only they had more. If only HBO would have given them more episodes. Which yeah, uh, we all know HBO know was willing to do I another what season and a half. I bet you they were desperate. Like, please, guys, this is our hit show. Because they said, what, the, the final season was six episodes, right? Yes. Yeah, and they were like, but it's going to be okay because they're going to be like feature-length episodes. And then that was a lie. <laughs> yeah, and just Total like lie. a sucker, I believe. So that, that was, was a like, lie. Maybe it'll be good. <laughs> and, and then like uh, HBO was like, oh, um, we, we, ha- we did offer them, what was it, nine episodes? And they said, no, no, we can do it in six. And we were, they were like, yeah, but you have nine and they're like, yeah. no, we can do it in six. What? Just take the nine episodes. They're like, look, man, the Star Wars runway is right there. <laughs> yep, and they burn that down. Um, all right, so moving work. on to other storylines, characters that we were like a little disappointed in, uh, the resolutions. I mean, do we dive into the main ones or maybe pick up a couple other uh, side characters that we also felt weren't fully given justice? I'm ready to to just delve into Tyrion, but okay. if anyone has another side character, I would love to. My only gripe, my only gripe. Tormund Giants Bane did not get <laughs> get with Brienne. Of, no, that was that's, such a letdown. Brienne that's such a letdown. Wow. I love Tormund. Tormund was that right kind of crazy that I and just then, like. I feel like the two of them together, you know they would have been a great match. Well, you know he would have loved her yeah. unconditionally, whereas everyone else around her just saw her as like a man, and he saw her as like, that's a woman. Yeah, and she truly would have like put him in his place too, and he knew it. Exactly. it was, oh, it he would have been, loved it. They did not respect her enough to give her a proper match, as well as you know, and even if she didn't need a match, just at least give her something like that. Like they didn't. Again, what what happened to her character? Did she get anything that was like remotely like that you felt emotionally worked? Mm. I feel like she and Jamie could have worked out maybe. I mean, I was, they were friends, and that would have been again. We we're talking about like the that's true. Yeah, uh, we like the uh, you know the non-pairing sometimes. Uh, friend zone. Jamie is had a to. Good thing. 
Jamie had to leave to go back to King's Landing to try to rescue Cersei and undo seven seasons of character development. Yep. <laughs> un pelo In de chocha halamasque una grua. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so why don't you dive into Tyrion because then I want to finish up with the two main leads that also just frustrated the heck out of me. So my my biggest gripe with Tyrion... Um, is one well okay two parts <laughs> he became an idiot the last couple seasons his iq just started falling off towards those last few seasons um exponentially honestly and then his character arc got completely ruined because he wasn't the villain in the second half of his story and it would have made a lot more sense for him to be because that's where they were going in the books so why is he an idiot because <laughs> after a while like every other thing he says is um a dick joke uh especially if he's talking to Varys, he just cannot seem to stop talking about balls <laughs> yeah or the is, lack thereof or the lack thereof and, or the- and Varys, you know you can tell he's like doesn't he's so beyond caring that it's like it's not even effective and that's not like Tyrion. Tyrion's not somebody who'd be throwing these jokes around that aren't actually don't have a purpose previously mm-hmm. until he just you're right he just his character falls off a cliff he uh Every single one of his plans that he tries to make with Daenerys fails pretty predictably. Embarrassingly. <laughs> um, he says things like, I drink and I say smart things, or something to that effect. I which, drink if you have and to I know say, things. I drink and I know things, which if you have to say, yes, you do drink. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> you know, like, a bunch of his plans are foiled by, you know, the whole failure is a better teacher than than success and you know the reason why he um fails uh i can't remember uh the queen of the roses uh homeland oh yeah the the tyrells yeah, and the, um the high, high, garden. high garden yeah <laughs> yeah so the reason why he fails at high garden is because jamie lost to rob stark in a very similar manner like oh if we can take what Tyrion doesn't know is that you know his homeland is completely broke. He has no clue that this is the case. So he's like, "Oh, all the money is on Castle Rock. We get that, and we cut their war chests immeasurably." And what he doesn't know is that like Jamie knows there's no money there, but all the money's in High Garden. So what do you what do you do? Pretend you have an army over here, and put the main one over here, and destroy a huge ally, and take all the money, and hurt everyone else in the process. That's I was fine with that happening only because, again, Jamie got outsmarted like that by Rob Stark. So, okay, Jamie has that one piece that Tyrion doesn't. Tyrion Tyrion's fault here wasn't that it was a bad plan. It was that he didn't have that one crucial piece of information. I didn't hate that. But the rest of it, the rest of his character arc and how dumb he played, that's a different story. He got he got tricked by Cersei when she told him. That she was pregnant and that she was gonna like be on his side, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, how he's the last person that would, that to... would believe anything this woman said. She would have strangled like, him in his crib, and he's like, eyes. but maybe, maybe she's turned a corner. Maybe yeah, she's right. my sister, and she really loves me. Yeah, I never believed that for a second. Heck no. <laughs> All right, and uh, this whole thing with <sighs> I'm, I'm digging back a little further now, but like. Remember his whole Rosebud story with Taisha when he was 
a youngin, where there was like some sort of aftermath of a battle. He met a woman named Taisha. They fell in love. And then Tyrion, uh, Tywin decides that like, you know, this is, uh, he's got to harden his son up or just be a terrible father in general. And so he tells Tyrion that Taisha was actually a whore. And then he has her gang raped by all of his men. And then he forces Tyrion to rape her at the end. And he tells her like, she did it for money. She didn't really love you. That is like the thing that messed up Tyrion for the rest of his life. He's that is what made him believe that he is a dwarf that only um like he's someone that only a whore could love and even then they they like, like they wouldn't. And so when he finds seeming love with Shay, it's like a really big deal and then it gets ripped away from him. But the thing is in the show they did not um in the show they act like Taisha um there was never any reveal that Taisha was not actually a whore. She was a real person and their their relationship and their love was real. Mm-hmm. And so in the books, that's why it's so painful when Tyrion hears the truth from Jaime in the jail cell. Uh, he learned that Jaime was complicit in this lie, uh, complicit in his life being ruined and his psyche being totally forever gone. Um, and that's why he angrily tells Jaime that like, Cersei is going around sleeping with people behind his back. He tells Jamie that he wishes he could have killed his son himself. He tells her that he would rape Cersei. He like he really goes off the deep end. And then it makes a lot more sense that he does all of these terrible things later, like uh killing Shay, killing Tywin. In the show, it also like it works enough because like all this other crap just happened to him and he, you know, he's about to get executed and whatever. But like that pivotal moment of character development is missing. And so for the rest of the show, he's like kind of a bad guy, but not really like he's floating somewhere in between and it doesn't work anymore. And he has no reason to seek so much vengeance against his family because they've always been terrible to him. (laughs) In the battle that he won for the, you know, the keep, but then, you know, is gets almost assassinated by one of the Lannisters. He gets like his yeah. nose cut off in the book. Like he looks like yeah. horrendous. Like he's supposed to be like yeah. a monster. And I love this idea in the books that were horrific that like, like wounds you receive and like psychically as well as physically don't go away. Like in, it's like real mm-hmm. life. It's not like a fantasy novel, which is what I love that the show started at. And like you can tell the show softened some of those things partly because of makeup effects and things, but also because it's you know TV and they want like attractive people, as we said before. But like you can tell, that's kind of what they did every step of the way in this show, where they softened some edges, and then what they turn it into is being much more like the kind of shows and movies that uh, the original source material was kind of, you know, exploding, and that's the shame. Like, and I think what you just described is kind of the problem in translation from the books to the TV show. Not even describing how badly they messed up the last few episodes, but it's like they sanded off the rough edges, rough edges at times, and I think it was a, it was worse for it. Yeah. And because Tyrion doesn't have that kind of rage, he doesn't have a good reason to tell Daenerys to then like burn down King's Landing. So he doesn't in the show. Daenerys just kind of does that on her own because, you know, the gods flipped a coin and. um... Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I want to see the Tyrion that we know is actually in the books. I want to see how he's played out because he should be advising and able to convince her and be way more like he might be the one who's also way more cutthroat and like devious because remember her in the books she's actually like 
trying to stand for something good and do things differently. And then they so quickly subvert that in the show where suddenly she's yeah. just like this evil ruler, evil ruler. She's the mad queen. You're like, what? And that's so unearned. Well, the coin, the coin flipped over. Yeah, so. and it's so unearned in that. It's just like, ugh. Well, can we get into um, that then? Can we get into uh, Daenerys and, and Jon <laughs> Snow? And sure. Norm, you put your finger on it. I even forgot about this part. I probably erased it from my memory that like they have a, a hookup. They become lovers and they're related. <laughs> and I remember just being like one too many incest relationships. To, just one too many. You went too far. Yeah. To be fair, we're not there in the books yet, but in the uh, in in the show – at least nobody knew they were related when they first started hooking up. But still, then John learns. Run, once you find like, out, you care. just once you find out, you're like, find excuses not to be in the same room with each other. But again, that goes back to my my original sin of incest being way too uh, prevalent right. in this. That it takes away the like, oh my god, you just did your aunt. It's, like it takes that impact away from me. Like, I remember watching like, every on. every scene with them. I would keep bringing it up and be like, "And also, you're my aunt, right?" Like they like you. It would be like forefront in your mind the whole time. Like, come on, that, thanks, Auntie hey, Danny. Hey. Yeah. Exactly. Oh God. <laughs> well, Star Wars did it first. <laughs> A lot of things did it first. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, I'm never gonna get over that. It's just, it ruined a lot of it for me. But also, I didn't, I honestly just didn't like them as a pair. Relationships, or, you know, family aside, family. You know, I just didn't, I was like, you, both of you could do better, is how I felt. <laughs> they just, they didn't really have a lot of, I don't know that it was that they didn't have chemistry, but they had no time. It's probably what it was. But honestly, I was like, truly, like, you both could do better. Like, Daenerys, you need somebody better, Danny, like. She could do way better. Oh, yeah. let's she be needed. Real. Uh, she needed the original Dario, the original yeah. casting. Yeah, Dario. I even like the, the Don't switch get me casting. Started. Any Dario that is better than John Snow. That dude was like. That dude yeah, looks like a cartoon character, wanted. the original one. Mm. <laughs> that's what she wanted, though. She wanted the the bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> she but deserved. but not the hipster bad boy. Not the hipster. The real bad boy. <laughs> Uh, you know, when it comes to, to Daenerys, though, the, the one thing I didn't hate was her coin flip. Because I, I I swear to God, I saw it coming. I really did. I just didn't she, feel like it was don't. earned. I, I'm with it, you, though, Norm. Like, did, I, you watch, did you watch the post, like, episode thing with D&D and they were like, we've been seeding it through from season one. And I'm like, don't gaslight us like that. No. Did you get gaslit? I did not get gaslit. I, I, <laughs> when I was watching it, I actually remember telling somebody... I was like, uh, when Tyrion's talking to her, like, if you hear the bell, stand down. It means they're they're giving up. I'm like, and I remember looking over to my friends and being like, this happens. She ain't standing down. She's going to burn the whole thing down. And it happened right in front. And they said, how did you know that? She's been a good person all the way through. Oh, I, I wasn't, said, I wasn't no, 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 shocked no. at all. Well, you can see it coming, you but still have it coming. not It's all there. It's all there. Doesn't mean that it makes sense. <laughs> it was It was still done poorly. <laughs> The worst person, the worst like killers of history are the ones who feel completely justified in their actions. And that's what they tried exactly. to show show her perspective. But I don't feel like they earned that yet. Like, again, it's probably time is the ultimate enemy here. They should have spent more time showing that happen. And instead, it was like over a few episodes, she loses a lot and people turn on her and people die. She loses the dragon. Then suddenly she's burning everything. It was like you didn't get to see her, you know, her mental journey to get there properly. I feel like that's what was missing. 
I was trying to defend. I was trying to defend the things that I liked in it originally, like when it first aired, because there were moments that were really grand and interesting, like like the 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 battle and the walkers finally showed up. I was like, Wait, wasn't the story just end there? Like, wasn't this gonna be the final battle? Like, because wasn't that the bigger threat? Right? Like, <laughs> I was shocked yeah. that that happened so quickly, and it kind of didn't. And also that Tyrion, like. They, Tyrion has this brilliant idea that they all go down to the crypts despite knowing like there's dead the people there. That's dead. The freaking Zombies dead live there. That's, you that's, dumb, dumb. that's one of the dumbest moves. That was that is the Tyrion dumbest move that imbecility. Tyrion's ever done. No, but like that. that and whole Ferris episode. didn't like. Wasn't like, uh, dude. Like, I know Ferris you're smarter also got than quite this, dumb. and I'm smarter than this. But yeah, let's go. Down, let's hold hands and go down by the crypt. <laughs> Varys just like, Varys is someone who would never show his hand to anyone like his whole hand and he does to john like and and daenerys like just cuz and then obviously um he dies for it because there's i mean i guess the one thing the show kept through was that there are consequences to your actions but not really well, they subvert our expectations a little too hard and that episode though where everybody's complaining it was so dark and i was like yeah it kind of was dark and i couldn't see anything and i'd be forgiving of that as long as the story was decent and then I realized at the end of that whole thing, like, it's the, this last big battle. I've been waiting for the zombie battle. Like, I, you know, all the machinations, all the houses, sure. But the real threat was the zombies. And then that, like, gets, that ends and, like, all the main characters are fine. There was, like, that was the thing from a storytelling perspective. I'm like, so the biggest threat, the entire world has to know, all these people die except for everybody you care about are fine. And I was like, oh, God, like, get out of well, here. Well, it's because they, they use the very classic defense tactic of every time something's about to happen to them, just cut away. Yeah. <laughs> Works every time. Yeah, one of the worst things about all this, about talking about the last season, is that it makes me not want to go back and watch the early seasons, which I adore, which are some great television. But knowing that it doesn't go anywhere, like it, it doesn't end properly, really takes the wind out of the sails for that, for those revisits. I feel like the final sin does rest somewhere, or the, the, the greatest sin does rest somewhere encapsulated in those final seasons or episodes. Oh, no, it completely does, because the the biggest sin has to be time. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the fact that yeah. D&D chose not to have more time is the greatest call sin it of arrogance, all. arrogance, then. Yeah. yeah. The deadly sin of arrogance i don't even think honestly i don't even want to say it was arrogance i don't i i don't even want to give them that much credit (laughs) (laughs) well i think what happened though is you have to understand too it's it's a ton of work to to do this stuff but it's not like they weren't compensated financially as well as you know with the adoration of millions of people so yeah you you know you kind of got what you deserve with that one guys all right so if we have to force the square peg into the round hole of saying what we're the creators guilty of what sin were they guilty of in the game of thrones of the seven deadly ones. out of the seven deadly which one would you say uh it's lust gluttony greed sloth wrath and i'm you know I, i'm gonna go with one that to me makes makes a little more sense i'm gonna go with sloth because they were lazy this la- the last season was lazy the season before it was mostly lazy they just got to the point where they they saw the Star Wars at the end, and they're like, "Yep, just put out the bullet points, and we're, we're done. We're gonna coast through this, and we're gonna go on to the next thing." They thought they could coast through it, yeah, but that kind of attitude, to me, could reek of pride or really arrogance. But 
just the sense that like that they could just spit out the Cliff's Notes version of it and then throw a bunch of special effects money um, on top of it and then think that it was going to be fine. They were probably like, we've worked really hard on this for years. And so, you know, like if we just kind of peter out at the end, it won't be such a big deal because people will look at things holistically. People are reasonable like that. <laughs> Twitter is reasonable like that. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, the only reason I'm going to say pride, because you got a good... That was a good argument for Sloth because that's kind of what they messed up was not putting in the work. But I watched the behind the scenes stuff in anticipation of that season. I never watched that stuff, guys. I never watched that stuff. And I was like, I want to watch it because I was so into that show. And just hearing them talk about themselves and their work, oh, I'm going to have to so go bad. with Emilia. And that's the only reason, Norm. You're right. They were Sloth. They did not put in the work. But they, they you could hear it in their voices how pr- – like they how talented and amazing this is going to be and i honestly i fell for it i was like remember watching being like oh yeah guys i'm with you on this journey let's wrap it up and then no it was it was awful they talked so many times about how how hard they were going to subvert our expectations and you know mission accomplished (laughs) (laughs) in a way maybe we are the fools well they didn't make a lot of money off the show even you know although they lost their star wars gig so just like in Game of Thrones, there was real life consequences. Consequences. Yep. And now all they can do is wipe up their tears with their hundred dollar bills. Wads of <laughs> oh, cash. Go to sleep on my million dollar pillow. <laughs> all right. So there's always has to be some uh, forgiveness and resolution. Before we get into any kind of potential redemption for this show, I want to ask everyone: What is your dream scenario for how you would right the show's wrongs? So. You could do anything. So, the you know, think big, think blue sky. What would you do? You know, I I still don't know if I have a dream scenario, but I guess the closest thing would have to be that they would have to just completely redo the final season. Like, scrap everything you have. And even if they just kept the same story point points, same plot points, the same bullets, and they just filled out a longer season and actually gave us that aspect of time that was just completely missing. There needs to be more subtext. They need to go deeper into some of these stories than rather just, Oh, we're just going to chop out all the meat, uh, all the subtext and just go straight for the candy. Like, you know, just going straight for dessert. Like, Oh, these are the fan service things that need to happen. I, I think that would be the dream scenario. Just, really trying hard to fill out that final season instead of again instead of just having the skeleton bullet points just to try and tidy every tidily wrap everything up which just didn't work that would have to be it they would have to just completely redo season seven for my dream scenario i would also consider a rewrite uh or just a redo of season Eight, but I wouldn't even say keep all the story points because I don't think that there's enough time, even in a full length season, even maybe even in an extended season. I just don't think there's enough time to get there in time. So I would say, um, yeah, maybe uh, crowdsource some stuff from fans because people have actually been, you know, like rewriting Game of Thrones and putting out their own versions, their own scripts and things. So. I would say take some inspiration from that, like pay those people to come on as writers and then maybe make another 
two seasons even or uh a movie honestly anything as long as we can just retcon season eight and and maybe even a little more i'd be willing to go back further i i, I mean technically wasn't the last season see the last two seasons technically fanfic <laughs> <laughs> Touché, the most or... expensively produced yes. fanfic in the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What about you, Lucas? What's your dream scenario? It would be a cartoon reboot of the entire Game of Thrones series, but it is way longer. They add in all the different subplots and characters from the books, and we get a final season that is worthy of the story, that has enough time, that would be my dream scenario. Yeah, I think that would be a really good idea too. Yes, I, I agree. the the only The only redemption you're going to get from this is hopefully this drives more people who were fans of the show who never read the books to actually go read the books. Because again, we talked about it. There are some way better points that happen in the book. There are characters that were way better in the book that you don't even meet. Like again, I bring up Lady Stoneheart because she oh, was my cool character. favorite character, and not not in this at all. And and to lose that, um, hopefully, you know, hearing about this, some of the, some of the fans will go back and start reading the book, see these things, and then that hopefully George or someone finishes the work, and we get a great ending to this series because we want it. Get Winds of Winter out. Get the next one out, and let's let's give this a proper ending. I think that's that's the only way to redeem this. It's not going to happen through film. So while we're, you know, living our pipe dreams as far <laughs> as what, we're not going to get those books, man. <laughs> oh, I know. I, it's a slim hope, but I'm still holding. But, but I feel like from HBO, well, maybe not from HBO, but like I feel like what could help redeem things is is one if we could just see like D eat a little crow that would be nice that could be like the you know like the shame the, the, we have him walk naked through yeah. the, uh, shame. the town and we throw <laughs> things at them yeah shame shame all right well I'll, can i say also though that they're doing a lot of prequel episodes shows uh, uh what is there's an animated series right there lies redemption. I think there could be redemption if they capture what we loved about that those series of novels that they really did. They put lightning in a bottle on those TV episodes. If they can capture some of that again, and I, I think I've said it previously on this podcast that like if they do this properly, where they're not trying to make it the best, you know, the most popular show on HBO. If they just tell a good story in that world in those universes, I think that could be a lot of redemption for it, for sure. Sure, I will I mean, not have as much hatred in my heart. To, to me, to me, the greatest redemption there is is that it opened the door. You're right. Yeah. Yep, I can't agree more. Like, the, I listen. Foundation is a TV show now. Uh, we, the Wheel of Time series, which is the reason I got into Game of Thrones, is because of my you know my problems with Wheel of Time series as a novels. That's be, that's <laughs> a TV show on Amazon. That like all the stuff I loved as a kid is now becoming like TV shows, movies. Like I cannot tell you how exciting that is that these worlds that lived only in my imagination are now becoming these, you know, popular culture things. And so like 
truly it, you can lay that at Game of Thrones feet. Before Game of mm-hmm. Thrones, nobody was willing to invest that kind of money. We had Lord of the Rings. That was the only right, other one but, where you're like, but that's but that scared Hollywood because that was meant for just really a niche uh, sector of the of the geek community. Mm-hmm. Of the fantasy community, there there was only this little sliver. But Lord of the, yeah, and Lord of the Rings though it almost is like defied it because it was a little more well known. It was a little more mm-hmm. like you know, it predated a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got to say, just that for me as like a fan of fantasy, you know, novels since I was a child, like it's just been really great to see that now they're greenlighting all these projects, and I really have to thank you know D and D for that. Like they're truly like how effective they were those first few seasons. We're still running off that, and you know that's kind of great. All right, now that you thank D and D, you can run off and go get a shower. I, I understand. You no, I just finished my dirty. my whiskey. I'm gonna go get another one. No, I'm, truly, <laughs> like we can we shower. can be mad at them, but it, like the reason we are able to enjoy a lot of these new shows, and you know that's Hollywood all over. Though if something's successful, you just keep yep. printing it again and again, and you know. Anyway, so I'm still mad at them because I th- <laughs> because I think even though they. They may have had a role in getting it off the ground. There were probably a million other people that could have done it too, um, and they probably got the job because of whatever advantages they were born with. Um, there was just there are so many worlds in which this ended better. So I will forever be mad. But yes, and I think I, you know, I will say, Lucas, I don't have quite as much appreciation as both of you. I think because by the time I was like becoming a teenager and adult sci-fi and fantasy was like already creeping out of the shadows like in my head it is crazy to think that anyone would not be entranced by these stories because i'm just like how could you not think that a place like lothlorien would be amazing and incredible why would you not want to engage with that why would you not want to like hang out with dwarves and elves and have these powers and sword fight (laughs) it's the same way growing up you read comic books in secret you didn't tell people you read comic books because you you were looked down upon like that's a lesser form of of reading like a grown man or, or anybody above 12 years old shouldn't be. If you played Dungeons and Dragons, there was people in America that thought you were a Satan worshiper and believed mm-hmm. it. Like that, yep. like just the world we grew up in the 1980s, 70s and 80s was a very different world than what we live in now. And there's a part of me that's really sad about it because th- those things were my like, I felt like they were mine. I had ownership of them because we had our little communities that would like talk about it and change, exchange comic books and novels. But like it was ours. And now yeah. it's like you can't own it yourself anymore because it's pop culture. It's like some of the most popular pop culture there is. And it, there is something that's almost sad about it. I'm like all these things that really defined me when I was younger that gave me my personality and my identity. I'm like... Now I gotta share it with everybody. Like, all right, fine. I'm gonna go it's watch. Once you share it with everybody, there's a greater sense of community and acceptance, but it also means that a bunch of sucky people get a hold of it too. <laughs> yes, and they drive it, and they drive it into the dirt. Yeah, but but I mean, the good part about that there is is it vindicates to me. It vindicates my my upbringing. Let mm-hmm. me know that yes, it, it wasn't weird for me to sit down and read a Spider-Man comic, and 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 read. Uh, a stupid speech by Captain America in one of them, and be like, "Wow, this is inspiring." It 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 totally makes it that I f- I feel vindicated. And uh, no, it's, I, it's I, the I, same way in fantasy. I'll, uh, I'll still make fun of you for that, <laughs> in case you ever miss it. <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> the other the other redemption is that it gave us one of the greatest theme theme songs ever. I have to admit, I would rarely skip because you you got to watch for the Easter eggs. Well, yeah, you had to, you had to know which houses, houses. Were taught, which storylines yes. by where the map took you. So you had to you had to know you had to watch it to be like okay. 
And I yeah. the song and the intro still brings me joy. It does. It's a good. It's great. And that was got beef. So we answered the question. Got beef? Yes, we do a lot of it. And now it's time to wrap up. If you haven't done so yet, we highly recommend that you listen to our past interviews. In addition to doing everything that we do here, uh, talking about shows and cinematic universes and news and everything else, we also sometimes interview some very, very cool people from the industry. So they can be a great way to prepare for the return of all of your favorite series. Especially a series like The Boys, one of our favorites over here at The Verse. And we had the pleasure of having Emmy-nominated writer and EP of The Boys, Rebecca Sonnenschein. She was a guest on our show, and we talked with her about her career and her work on the series. It was so much fun. Um, that reminds me. Where is she? I saw her breakfast in the ship's lounge a couple of days ago, and I haven't seen her since. Wait, what? Why is everyone looking at me? Cronsworth... Have you seen Rebecca Sunshine? Please say you haven't. Please. Well, I mean, I did see her, of, of course. Oh, no. She heard Lucas had taken away my tablet, so she helped me sign up for Amazon Prime on my second board. Now I, too, can watch the boys. And? Well, she said she wanted to take some photos to show on the gram so she could show off to all of her friends down on Earth. I thought it was a marvelous idea. And? and... And I helped her out, of course. To repay her act of kindness, I gave her a tour around the ship and showed her the perfect spot for capturing really impressive photographs. Oh, thank God. So where's that? On our rooftop patio, of course. All right, cool. That makes sense. Oh, all right. Okay, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah. Chalk this one up as just another brilliant idea by Kron. Wait a minute. Oh, brother. What's wrong now? Don't tell me you're against high-quality photographs. No, Cronsworth. No one is against good photos. It's just that this is a spaceship, and we don't have a rooftop patio! Why do you always get so hung up on the details? Are you saying that the writer and executive producer of Amazon's The Boys is floating out in the abyss of space right now? I'm not sure why that's a bad thing. She'll get amazing pictures. Crunchworth! Okay, first off, there's no air in space, and the temperatures are well below freezing. And if I don't get to see season three of The Boys because of your shenanigans... Okay, you know what? Let's circle the ship around. I'll go grab the net. I'll get the Lost in Space revival kit. We're really lucky that we splurged on that before we left. <sighs> Let's get Rebecca back. And maybe, just maybe, after we revive her, we can apologize, return her to Earth, and she'll be kind enough to visit us again. And maybe even bring a few of the cast members of The Boys along with her. You see, it sounds like it will all work out in the end. And I really can't wait to see those photos. You get back in your closet. Ugh. No good deed goes unpunched. Uh, guys, in the future, maybe someone else should be in charge of guest relations? Oh, good. I do have some recommendations. I have a robot friend in- Closet. Cronsworth. Now. Oh, okay. Be sure to subscribe to The Verse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We love you to rate us too, maybe five stars. That sounds about right. And you can follow me, Lucas Longacre, at Luconian Logic on Instagram and on Twitter. And I just got to share that I have been watching a lot of shows lately, 
but the one that has been my favorite that I binged in like two days straight was uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix. No spoilers. The less you know going in, the better. But it is uh, by the creator of Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. And my God, is it a good ride. It sounds spooky. It is. Every, everything the guy does is has great emotional payoffs, very good character development. And it's just like, it's this one's a little more brutal than some of his other ones. I'm just going to keep it at that. So it's, uh, you know, for those squeamish, you might, you know, maybe steer clear, but it is so worth watching. That's cool. You know, I've actually been watching uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the vampire comedy series on FX. Ooh. Me too. It's the latest season, I, I've I love this show, and I, I can't explain exactly why I do. I just know that they're they they just do everything in the right vein to make me laugh, and I, I really do love it. So, um, if you want to ever hit me up and talk about it, you can talk to me on Twitter at random underscore white guy, and you can follow me, Emilia, on Twitter at Emilia U. And I am still watching House, but I'm also going to talk about some <laughs> movies that I've been watching this week. So. I recently watched The Nowhere In, starring St. Vincent and Carrie Brownstein, also was written and uh, I think produced by them. It is a weird trip. <laughs> if you want a little bit more information, you can check out my review on <laughs> awardsradar.com. Uh, not to self-promote or anything, but... Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless plug alert. I'm not. I couldn't understand that. <laughs> he was giving his shameless plug alert. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if you love St. Vincent, it's definitely a must-see. If you love Carrie Brownstein, also a must-see. Um, I've also been watching... Uh, I watched recently a Twitch stream version of the Marsha Norman play Night Mother, which was adapted for Twitch by Ellen McLean. Yes, you heard that right, the voice of GLaDOS. <laughs> um, adapted this uh, incredible play. It's a very, very heavy play, so trigger warning there. Uh, she adapted it for Twitch.tv, because we live in the modern age now, and it is starring her and Sheila Hulahan, who I love. Um, <laughs> I've also talked to a bunch. She's been in a few like really cool movies, like The Little Things, um, and you should just check it out, especially if you care at all about mental health, which I would hope that everybody does. And if you would like to watch this very, very interesting project, you can go to twitch.tv slash nightmother on Twitch. That's all one word. You can follow me, Cronsworth, at Cronsworth on Twitter, or right here in this closet where I'll be watching season two of The Boys. That Rebecca Sunshine does quite amazing work. You really ought to take better care of your guests. All right, upgrade to the ship. We got to soundproof that closet. And you can follow Bridget, who is unfortunately not here with us today, but you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at BridgetBrogan16. She's also in her pod currently watching The Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring in preparation for her Blind Spot episode. We are very excited for that. And since she's watching the uncut version, we're estimating that she's going to be done watching that by, oh, say, this time next week when we're recording our next episode. We're saying they're long. And finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, who can be found on any Game of Thrones board there is, railing about how bad the last final season was. He can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd as at FilmSnork. And I think I hear our music. 
So thank you all for listening. Be sure to send in any questions and comments, beefs, complaints, grievances. We want to hear them all. And we will see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Stephen Kruzikowski. Da 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 da